0: We're of Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. Well, my mom kind of set us up perfectly for that one. I swear I did not tell her what we were preaching about, but we are talking about God's grace this morning. We're going to be in Acts 15, so if you have your Bibles, you can jump there or on your phones. We are going to be Acts 15. We're going to go over the whole chapter this morning. It's 35 verses. And this is a turning point in Acts. This is kind of the the chapter in Acts, uh, what Luke is telling us, right, what he's writing. This is kind of a a turning point, a pivotal point in this book. What we'll see is kind of a pivotal point in church history. Where all of a sudden, the, the early church, after Jesus has left, the early church is wrestling with, how do we live this out? What does this look like? What does this look like for Israel now, the people of God? What does this mean for every other nation surrounding it? Right? There's a bit. You have questions? Let's go. 15. Acts chapter 15, and then we'll do one, verses 1 through 35, the whole, the whole thing. I love it. I love that our youth are in here. Usually when I teach youth, they're like, uh, nope, question. So, yeah. Ask questions. That's great. Um, It's a pivotal point in church history. There's been these, these gatherings, these church gatherings, these church councils all throughout history where the people of God, the people that are following God, they're like, hey, 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 we have this major issue in culture, in our world. What do we do? How do we live as the people of God with this issue? How do we live as the people of God in this culture? How do we do this? Right, so we, we end up with things with like the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed, right, and these different creeds. And it's, these, it's the church trying to solve these issues of the day of how do we live this out? And so in Acts, Jerusalem Council where the 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 church in Jerusalem, all of them meet, all of the elders and the leaders, they all meet, and they're like, what do we do about this? These Gentiles are being saved in mass. And Paul's teaching them, hey, you don't have to become Jewish in order to follow God. You don't have to get circumcised. You don't have to follow the law of Moses in order to be saved. That's not what this is about. Just believe and have faith in Jesus. And the church is like, whoa, hang on. Not the whole church, but it's a major enough issue that the whole church has to gather and like, hey, we all need to get on the same page with this. And so this morning, as we read Acts chapter 15, uh, one of the contexts that we're going to see that Paul sent back to Jerusalem, right? The church at Antioch is like, whoa, 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 whoa. We need to figure this out. Paul, Barnabas, go back to Jerusalem and figure this out. And so one of the interesting things that uh, m- many scholars believe that, that, uh, that Paul wrote the letter of Galatians on his way down to Jerusalem. That the southern Galatian churches that he had just come back from, right? His first missionary journey. So Antioch and Pisidia and Phyligia and all of those southern Galatian churches that he was just sent to, right? Now he's back. Now there's this major issue. Whoa, Paul, you're preaching faith alone in Jesus, But some of us believe that, no, you have to be circumcised and follow the law of Moses. So the church sends him. And many people believe that he wrote the letter of Galatians. If you've ever read Galatians, if you haven't read it in a while, what I would encourage you to do, read Acts 15. We're going to go through that this morning. Soon, today, tomorrow, soon, read Galatians. And you'll see Paul's heart. The whole letter is like dealing with this issue by grace, through faith, in Jesus alone. And the Galatians are wrestling with this too. Like, who who has sidetracked you, right? There's these people that have come into those churches and are preaching this other gospel that Paul talks about. So I don't want to get too much into it, but I would encourage you, as we go through Acts today, read Galatians. And it puts in context a lot of Paul's heart and a lot of what's going on here in Acts 15. Okay? So as we dive in this morning, we are going to see that, one, grace, God's grace is debated. God's grace is defended and displayed. And then God's grace is delivered. Okay? God's grace is debated. It's defended and delivered or defend, yeah, defended and displayed. And then God's grace is going to be delivered. So let's read Acts 15. We're going to read one through five. Some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. After Paul and Barnabas had engaged them in serious argument and debate, Paul and Barnabas and some others were appointed to go up to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem about this issue. When they had been sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and they brought great joy to all the brothers and sisters there. When they arrived in Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But but some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, no, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. There's this issue going on in the church. God's grace is being debated. Paul and Barnabas are preaching this gospel of, in order to be saved, all you have to do is believe. If you believe and have faith in this story, in this good news that we are preaching to you, which the whole point of that story is Jesus. Paul had a real encounter with Jesus. If you remember, Paul was the Jew among Jews. Kept the law, the letter to the T. He has a real experience with this Jesus. And he's like, man, I had it all wrong. I had it all wrong. He spends some time figuring it out. And so this good news, this gospel that he's traveling around preaching to these different churches, preaching in synagogues, is just believe in Jesus. Jesus is the whole point. Jesus is the person that all of your law and your prophets have been pointing to. He is the fulfillment of all of that. Your identity is no longer in this ethnocentric national identity. It's in Jesus. And so the Pharisees though to now to the Pharisees credit a lot of time we like to pick on the Pharisees, right? And and a lot of times they deserve. But we have the pleasure of hindsight. We have the pleasure of looking back and saying, This is where you got it wrong. We have the opportunity to look back and critique. But just know this, church. When our kids grow up and they're adults, and their kids grow up and they're adults, they will look back on our generation with critique and saying, What the heck were you thinking? So we can give the Pharisees a little bit of grace here. We can give them a little bit of grace because that's the way it had been done for years, for centuries. That if a Gentile wanted to follow God, they had to get circumcised and follow the law of Moses. That's how it had been done. And so they had learned, the Israelites have learned, hey, if you want to follow God, you have to become like us. We are the chosen nation. We are God's chosen people. Everything gets filtered through us. So you immigrants, you must learn English. You must vote like us, even if... That's if you're even allowed here. If we let you in here, you have to become Israel, American. I'm getting my nations mixed up. The Jews for so long had seen, no, the world revolves around our nation. God has chosen us. And the Pharisees maintained that. They didn't see, hey, no, Jesus, Jesus changed it all. Jesus was the turning point. His life and death and resurrection changed everything. What God had called the people of Israel to be, to do, was to follow God in such a way so that all of the other nations, all of the other immigrants, all of the other peoples of the world would see Israel and say, whoa, that's good news. That is free. That is life. And Israel over and over and over again was like, no, you need to become like us. No, you need to become like us. So the beauty of the gospel that Paul and Barnabas are preaching is no, you can follow God. Because of Jesus, as a Samarian, as a Galatian, as a Philippian, as an Ecuadorian, as a South American, as an Indian, as a German, as a Mexican, you can follow God because of Jesus and you don't have to become a Jew. So, as you can see, this poses some problems for the Jews because it had always been like that. So, they're wrestling with wait, 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 how do we do this? How do we allow Gentiles to continue to live as Gentiles, not change their ethnic identity, and yet maintain the truth of the gospel? So the Jews are wrestling with, wait, well, then how do, this is the way it's always been done. This is who God has called us to be. This has been the good news for so long. But now all of the Gentiles are being included in this, like rapidly, the church among the Gentiles is is expanding rapidly rapidly. And some of it might be, we don't know, we weren't there in the council. Some of it might be for the Pharisees, we'll lose power. If things aren't filtered through us, we'll lose some power here. Some of it might have just been a genuine like, no, this is is how you follow God. This is how you do it. So this grace, this faith in Jesus alone that you are saved by God's grace, it's a free gift. There is nothing you can do. There's nothing you have to do. There's no ritual. There's no law. There's no custom that you have to do in order to be saved. That salvation comes through faith alone. Now, if we're honest, this is still hard for us today. If we're honest... This is still hard for Western churches today. It's still hard for me personally. So much of the waters that we swim in is prove it. Prove it. You want to follow, you're a Christian, prove it. Right? I don't know if, if any of you guys have heard this. But I mean, we got a new election cycle coming up, and I'm just like, can we just do this like every ten years instead of two? Like two. But tell me if you guys haven't heard this: you cannot be a Christian and a Democrat, or you cannot be a Christian and a Republican. You cannot be a Christian and vote for Trump. You cannot be a Christian and vote for Biden. You cannot be a Christian and not have been baptized. You cannot be a Christian and not pray or read your Bible or memorize scripture. We are a prove it culture. That's fine. Yeah, have faith. Say the prayer. Cool. Now you better read your Bible. You better get baptized. You better do it this way because this is the way it's always been done. As we send out missionaries to different countries, not all of our missionaries, but some missionaries go out and this is how you do church. And it's very American. Instead of learning the culture, no, you can be a Mexican Christian. This grace is debated. And so the church in Antioch, they're like, Paul, Barnabas, we need to figure this out. We need to figure out, is it just through faith alone? Do we just need to believe and then we're saved? Or do we have to become Jewish? What is it? We want to know. And so we're going to send you back down to Jerusalem. Consult with the whole church, all of the elders and the leaders of the church. This is that important to us. So it's not even the Jerusalem church is like, hey, Paul, Barnabas, get over here. What the heck are you guys doing? It's the church in Antioch. They're like, whoa, wait, we need to figure this out. So Paul and Barnabas go. So Paul and Barnabas, they go down to Jerusalem. They travel down to Jerusalem. And they assemble the council. So starting in verse 6, the apostles and the elders gathered to consider this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, brothers and sisters, you are aware that in the early days of God made a choice among you, that by my mouth, the Gentiles would hear the gospel message and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he also did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now then, why are you testing God by putting a yoke on the disciples' neck that neither our ancestors nor we have been even able to bear? On the contrary, we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way they are. The whole assembly became silent. Peter stands up and he's like, Hey, you know it had to be Peter, the first one. Right? You know Peter was the first one. He's like, Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. Don't you remember that God told me to preach this good news to the Gentiles? Just earlier in Acts, right, Acts chapter 10, Peter has this vision of what looks like a sheet coming down out of heaven. And all the animals of the earth are in it. And he hears a voice and he says, Peter, kill and eat. Peter's like, no, I haven't haven't eaten any ever. I haven't eaten anything unclean ever. No, I will not do it. And three times, the voice of God says, Peter, kill and eat. Peter, kill and eat. He's like, no, no, no. And he hears a voice that says, Everything I have made is not well is, is clean. I'm gonna mess that up, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do uh, What God has made clean, do not call impure. What God has made clean, do not call impure. And then he wakes up, right? And he's like, I have no idea what that just meant. Does it just mean I can eat whatever I want now? Like, what the heck? And then Cornelius, he's sent for. He goes to Cornelius' house, and he preaches the good news to the Gentiles. A bunch of Gentiles are saved. And before his eyes, it goes on to say in chapter 10, before his eyes and the circumcised, they witnessed the power of the Holy Spirit come upon the Gentiles. And now they're able to hear and to speak in tongues, in different languages. And they hear the good news in their own language. They hear the good news in their own language. So Peter's like, hey, church, I witnessed this firsthand. And some of you did too. Some of you circumcised. Some of you Jews, you witnessed the same thing. When we preached this good news, which the good news is what? What was the good news that Peter was preaching? He says in, in, uh, in verse 11, that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way they are. Peter's preaching, no, we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. And when they believed that, when the Gentiles believed that, they received the same Holy Spirit in the same way we did. God shows no partiality. He makes no distinctions. Makes no distinctions on language, on ethnicity, on nationality, on anything. If you believe this good news, you receive the same Holy Spirit and gift of salvation as the Jews did. The whole assembly becomes silent. Yeah, we remember that, Peter. Then Paul and Barnabas describe all the signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. So they start sharing about the wonders and the miracles, about them receiving the Holy Spirit in all of the churches that they had just gone to in South Galatia. And after they stopped speaking, James responded, brothers and sisters, listen to me. Simeon or Simon or Peter, Peter has reported how God first intervened to take from the Gentiles a people for his name. And the words of the prophets agree with this as it is written. He quotes from Amos and Isaiah here, okay? James could have quoted a number of Old Testament prophet scriptures pointing to the purpose of God in selecting and choosing Israel was always for the purpose to include the Gentiles. They were always a part of the plan. They were always a part of God's purpose. So James says, after these things, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. I will rebuild its ruins and set it up again. So that, so the rest of humanity may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name. Declares the Lord who makes these things known from long ago. And this is what James says, "Therefore, in my judgment, we should not cause difficulties for, these, for those among the Gentiles who turn to God." But instead, we should write to them to abstain from these things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from eating, eating anything that has been strangled and from blood or, and from blood. For since ancient times, Moses has had. Those who proclaim him in every city and every Sabbath day, he is read aloud in the synagogues. So, we saw in the first five verses the grace was debated. That salvation through faith in Jesus alone was like, how does that work? And in these verses 6 through 21, we read that grace is defended. Peter stands up and says, no, this grace by faith in Jesus is all that you need to do in order to be saved. All that you need to do in order to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it. You don't need to become a Jew. You don't need to follow these rituals and laws. Peter and Barnabas stand up and said, this is what God has done among the Gentiles. These are the signs and wonders that God has continued to do as we preach this good news among the Gentiles. And then James stands up, who wrote the book of James. Very practical dude, right? The same James that wrote, If you have faith, your faith will work itself out in works. But you are not saved by your works. You are saved through faith. Very practical dude, James. He gets up and says, hey, Peter, Paul, and Barnabas are right. This has been foretold in the prophets, in the Old Testament, in the law. God's heart was always to include the Gentiles. But James takes it a step further. And and listen to what James does. It's not just okay for James to be like, yep, this is the truth. Go back and preach it. What James thinks through is, wait, so how James recognizes if we allow the Jews just to keep doing Jew things, following their rituals and their laws and the law of Moses and circumcision, and we allow the Gentiles to be Gentile Christians, This will split the church. We'll have two different denominations, if you will. We'll have a Jewish church and we'll have a Gentile church. So in order to keep the unity of the faith, this is what James does. He said, hey, go back and tell the Gentiles, it is by faith in Jesus alone. By grace through faith in Jesus alone. That's the good news that's the only thing you have to do in order to be saved and receive the Holy Spirit. But out of preference for your brother and sister, out of preference to keep the unity of the faith, Gentiles, if you want to be able to sit with and dine with and be in community with Jewish believers, and Jewish believers, you are called to be in community with, doing life with, discipling Gentile believers. That's what, you, that's what you have always been called to do. In order to do that, in order to not violate the cleanliness laws, in order to not violate the, the, the rules that the Jews lived by, hey, Gentiles, follow these things. Do these things out of preference for your Jewish brother abstain from sexual immorality, which is probably your, your pagan temple worship, uh, idol worship stuff. Abstain from unclean foods. Don't eat uh, anything that has been strangled, right? Which again, all of these are probably referring to some, some pagan temple idol worship customs and laws that, that the Gentiles would have been used to. So he's saying, hey, abstain from sexual immorality, things polluted by idols, eating anything that has been strangled and from blood. He's saying, do these things out of preference. Do these practices out of preference to keep the unity of the faith. Jews, Gentiles do not have to be circumcised and follow the law of Moses. Gentiles, Gentiles, in order to keep the unity of faith, abstain from these things. Brothers and sisters, our hope is in faith in Jesus Christ alone. It is not in preference and practice. It is in Jesus Christ alone. And in order to keep the unity of the faith in preference and practice, defer to one another. So if we are in a foreign country, You do not have to be American. You don't have to be like us in order to to be a Christian. Out of preference and practice, defer to Jesus, our faith in Jesus, to get the unity of the faith. Lastly, grace is delivered. Peter and Paul, or uh, Paul and Barnabas are sent back to the church in Antioch. The whole council decides to send people with them, so it's not just like, so, uh, well, let's read this. Uh, Then the apostles and the elders with the whole church decided to select men who are among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Judas, called Barsabbas, 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 whatever, and Silas, both, that was a little easier, Silas, both leading uh, men among the brothers. This is the letter they wrote. We're privileged to actually be able to read the letter that was sent with them. From the apostles and the elders, your brothers, to the brothers and sisters among the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some without our authorizations went out from us and troubled you with their words and unsettled your hearts, We have unanimously decided to select men and send them to you, along with our dearly beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who will personally report the same things by word of mouth. For it was the Holy Spirit's decision and ours not to place further burdens on you beyond these requirements, that you abstain from food offered to idols, from blood, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. You will do well if you keep yourselves from these things. Farewell. So they were sent off and went down to Antioch, and after gathering the assembly, they delivered the letter. And when they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Both Judas and Silas who were also prophets themselves, encouraged the brothers and sisters and strengthened them with the long message. After spending some time there, they were sent back in peace by the brothers and sisters to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas, along with many others, remained in Antioch, teaching and proclaiming the word of the Lord. So Judas and Silas are sent back with Paul and Barnabas with wisdom, Right? That way, the church in Antioch, if it was just Paul and Barnabas that went back, the church in Antioch would have been like, wait, like, how do we know? How do we know you're just not telling us? You have just been preaching the whole time. right? So the councils are like, no, 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 we'll send respected men with Paul and Barnabas so they can attest the same thing. This is actually what we decided. Paul and Barnabas aren't just like, yeah, we were right, you were wrong, sorry. So they send them back and Judas and Silas read this letter and it says that the church in Antioch rejoiced because of its great encouragement. This was good news. This was good news to them. We don't have to change who we are. We don't have to change our nationality. We don't have to change our ethnicity. We don't have to change our identity to become Jewish in order to follow Jesus. We can remain Sumerian. We can remain Galatian. We can remain Philippian. We can remain whatever people group he was in. Because our identity is no longer in our nationality or ethnicity, our identity is now found in Jesus Christ. We belong to him now. And now, by grace, through faith in Jesus, we can figure out what it looks like to be the people of God, the new humanity, living in God's kingdom in Samaria, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. We are a new humanity now. This grace is delivered to the church. I challenge us to think about where do we need to hear this good news in our own hearts? Where have we been trying to prove our worth to Jesus? Where have we been trying to prove, yes, we are Christians? Where have we been trying to prove that in our lives? Where are we trying to be living that out out of of obligation? Where do we need to hear the good news that we are saved, we receive the Holy Spirit by grace through faith in Jesus alone? Where do we need to hear that truth in our own hearts? Who in our world needs to hear that truth? We both need to deliver that same truth to our own hearts. There's a hurting world that's striving to be good, to worship something, to prove their worth, to prove that they're worthy to be loved. Prove their worth in sports or in education. I won't be loved if I don't. I won't be loved unless I do. My family, our, our, our identity is no longer found in the laws and the rituals and the doing. Our identity is found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So we need to remind ourselves of that truth almost daily. And we need to take that truth to the world around us. Where have we expected others to behave instead of believe? As a parent, (laughs) Ooh. <laughs> do I want more right behavior out of my kids than I do belief in my kids? I'll tell you what, I'm still processing that one because most times it's right behavior, not right belief. Where can we be good news to our family, to our kids, to our coworkers? That all they need to do in order to be saved is to believe. To believe this story that they're called into. And when you believe it's, it doesn't mean everything gets great after that, as we, as we all know. It doesn't mean after that, that we don't have to work out what that belief and faith looks like. But our righteousness is not accredited to our behavior, but our faith and trust in Jesus. Jesus. Our faith and trust in Jesus will lead to right living. Our right living will not lead to the gift of salvation in the Holy Spirit. So, how can we, church, create space for our coworkers, for our kids, for our spouses, for the people at Walmart, for the, our classmates? Where can we create space for our kids? Where can we create space to allow them to trust Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to work out the right behavior? How can we love them in such a way that frees them to listen to the Holy Spirit instead of being controlled and manipulated for what we think needs to be right behavior. This is good news, and we need to deliver it.